Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. All right, welcome back to the Bow Hunting Podcast. We're all bow hunting, all the time. And today we're going to be talking some trail cameras, Mr. Demko, with this guy over here. PJ Riley with Lancaster Archery. How are you? I'm good, guys. How about yourselves? We are hot and sticky because we're in the dog days of summer. It's that time of year. And it's that time of year for trail cameras, too. This is where we get the cameras back out, get them in the field. Some good old redneck entertainment as I like to call it. Yes. And we get pictures of all the big bucks that we won't see come opening see. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. Well, what trail coming up? Honestly, you know, we'll get into a lot of good trail cam information today, but probably the biggest lesson, if you really want to think about it, what have trail cameras taught me over the years? It's that, it's that a lot of the bucks that are hanging out where you hunt during the summertime are not the bucks that you're going to see come the fall. Nope. So And vice versa. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So uh, maybe that's a little tease for our conversation today. But before we dive in, Mr. Demko, why don't you remind folks uh, about how PJ and all the other good people at Lancaster Archery uh, present this show? Yeah, absolutely. This show is presented uh, through your kindness, you know, at Lancaster Archery. And you can learn more by going to your website, LancasterArchery.com. That's right. Not only do you want to go there to learn more, but you want to go there to buy more because that's where you go for what they like to refer to as all your bow hunting needs. And literally, whether you need like the latest uh, camo or a pack of broadheads or a tree stand, even, you know, trail cameras, all this stuff that you might not think of off the top of your head because you think Lancaster Archery, you're thinking bows, arrows, release aids, sights, rests. Yes, they have all that stuff, but they literally have everything everything related to your bow hunting yeah and, and, and while you're sitting here with us you took us on a tour earlier in the year we went through the warehouse did you tell me it's like forty thousand different products you offer i believe it's 80 oh i believe it's eighty thousand different SKUs. um it's something like 700 different manufacturers seven or eight hundred different manufacturers yeah so to sum it up really with a tagline that pj probably wrote they've got the gear They've got the knowledge. They've got the passion. And PJ, you are a passionate bow hunter yourself, uh, a big trail camera user, as are Mr. Demko and I. And you've even brought some props today. So why yeah. don't we start with this? Because I know you have your bow hunters extravaganza coming up yes in august i think the 11th and 12th 11th and 12th you so, bet you so all you local folks who need some new trail cameras because who doesn't need another trail camera i mean you absolutely may, you may have five or six but there's always room for eight or ten yep out there and you'll be offering some great deals on a bunch of cameras probably including these that you have here I believe we have Moultrie's on there, and probably these two will be out there. But, yeah, it's all weekend. That's our biggest sale. We have crazy deals. We bring in all kinds of stuff uh, that we don't normally have in heavy quantities. We bring it in just for that. Tree stands, trail cameras, we're always heavy on that for the extravaganza. Well, that's awesome. And uh, from that, why don't we jump in to asking you, PJ, 
as we approach the end of July, uh, about two months out from opening day here in Pennsylvania, you've got your uh, license, I'm sure, and your antlerless tag. You betcha. Uh, are there going to be any tags left to get a second dope <laughs> tag for your unit, uh, PJ? For my unit, yes, there will be plenty. There's no danger of my unit running out. Well, Mr. Demko, you're in the same boat. I am. Absolutely. I waited about a week. And then when I went on and got my first tag, then I, I hunt in what's called 5C. And so I waited. Me too. I didn't go on the first day to try and get my tags this year. So you guys, I'm a little envious of because I live in 4C. Ooh. And I was just telling 4C is like the huntingest unit in all of Pennsylvania outside Your of Your second 2G. tag is going to be a dog fight. Well, there's like <laughs> five or 600 left, 700 maybe. So I don't know how it's going to work. I was asking Mark, I'm like, what's the strategy for Monday morning? Is it, do you have to log in at like the stroke of eight? Or if I log in at like 7 a.m. and keep myself active in my profile for an hour at the stroke of eight, can I add that to my cart? We had a guy who logged in, I believe, 15 minutes early. I think they they allowed you to do that, but you, you were like put in the waiting room right away. Okay. But he was still like 30,000 in line. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know. I, I think my it's pretty much a lost cause. It's it's going to gonna be one. it's the wild west this year. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, anyway. these are the joys of uh, online license sales, but nothing <laughs> is perfect. It wasn't perfect before, and it's still not perfect. But uh, absolutely. Regardless, as I said, opening day is fast approaching. Yes. It's going to be here even sooner in other states. You know, neighboring Ohio usually opens up early September, mm -hmm. as do a bunch of other states. We start mid-September. We do. We yeah. get a two-week start from where you live. That's right. I forgot about that. You guys have all the breaks down in 4C. Well, you better have your trail cameras out. You got your cameras out yet, Mr. Uh, Demko? The one in my house is out uh, year-round. I have a flex, uh, spy point flex that I have out year-round. Okay. Well, good for you. You're ahead of me. What about you, PJ? I have a Moultrie that's in my woods year-round as well. But what about all your serious trail camera prep? No. So mine are, uh, um, I hunt, it's limited access public land, I will say. It's public land, but you have to be in a drawing to get in, um, that kind of thing. So I there's a start date. I think it's like mid-August where before I can put stuff out. Gotcha. Okay. So, and, and I've just been lazy this year, to be honest with you. And I've been, to be quite frank, I've been a little discouraged just because of what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Like, I'm like, yeah, I could go put some cameras out right now. And I usually run some minerals, which is great for getting deer in front of your camera. But it's like, dang it, I've fallen into this trap. It's almost like Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown, you know? Like yes. every summer I do it and it's like, <laughs> I tell myself now I'm not gonna get sucked in and I go and do it and I get a couple good bucks on camera and I'm like, yeah, you know, this is the one. I'm gonna be ready and I'm gonna kill this deer. And it's like, gosh, I never see the darn thing it's, come this season. I swear some of them have a calendar. They know opening day and then I never get a picture of them until the season's over. Um, Cody Robbins, who's 
uh, does a show, Live to Hunt, with Cody and Kelsey. Lives up in Saskatchewan. And the good news is it's universal. You know, he actually wrote a column about just this for our September issue about how he always gets overconfident. And he talks about, you know, usually when they start to disappear is right around the time they shed the velvet. And he calls it rubbing the stupid off. So they rub the stupid off, and then all of a sudden they move, and they don't move during the day anymore either. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm mildly excited, I'll say, for this season, because I should have four that I know survived all the hunting seasons. Whether or not they survive the cars, you never know where I live. But I know they all survived hunting season, and one of them's going to be five, and the others are three or four, but they're all nice racks. And I know they all lived, haven't seen them since they dropped antlers, so I don't know. That's not unusual, but they should be around. Well, and that's where, honestly, even if your cameras can't get the deer completely dialed in, it's a great for inventorying. And to yeah. your point, like here, honestly, you know, we're in the east, you know, here in Pennsylvania. It doesn't matter really anywhere from Maine to Florida, the whole eastern seaboard. It's thick in the woods here. We yeah, have a yeah. lot of cover. You know what I mean? And so you're not and, – and these deer aren't super visible. They don't just make a living, you know, standing out in broad daylight. So, yeah, I mean, all those bucks that you talk about are likely alive, but you're not going to just see them going right. about your daily routine. Oh, no. I, I never, almost never, never, never see them just out in the fields. I know they're there, but almost never. So how do you get pictures of them in years past? Do you put minerals out or just set up on trails? Or no, what? I have. Uh, so where I live, knock on wood, uh, there's 220 acres across the street from me. That's a county park and it's limited access bow hunting. There's four guys in there that bow hunt only. So and they're behind this row of houses. Well, then there's a stream and the stream comes across the road and then there's a bunch of farms right there. Well, I own where the stream crossing is. <laughs> and so if they want to cross the road without going through somebody's backyard, that's where they cross. So I have a camera sitting right there on the, on the crossing. And a tree so stand. I, I don't have a stand right there, but it's not far away. Gotcha. Uh, I don't want to get them just coming across the road because they usually move. Um, but it's back a little bit. But last year, the one who will be five this year, I never saw him on stand. Was getting pictures of him and stuff. The one Sunday that we were allowed to bow hunt, the Eagles happened to be playing. The Eagles were good last year. It was windy and nasty, and I thought, I'm not going out. The Eagles were playing it for us. I'm not going out. I'm going to sit and watch the Eagles. I made the mistake of that five o'clock going upstairs. And I said, I'll just go look back towards my tree stand. There he was standing right under my tree stand. <laughs> the uh, one day I didn't go out and there he was. Well, you know, if you had had a bunch of wireless cell cams set up, you could have like gotten the alert and snuck out there. Yeah, the ones, and that's, you know, we have two different styles here. The ones that are in my backyard are not cellular. They're all just standard cameras. Well, 
let's start with that, I guess. You know, like cellular cameras, Mr. Demko, are all the rage now. I mean, I don't even know, to be honest with you, I bet you manufacturers are making as many or more cellular cameras now than they are non-cellular. And the, the, the data subscriptions have gotten pretty, pretty cheap. And the technology of the cameras themselves has improved to the point that the battery life, even with the cellular models, is so good. Um, I run mostly cellular cameras. As do I, uh, you know, I've started to build up my arsenal with them, and they're obviously a really efficient way to scout, uh, whether your cameras are close by or far away. It's just a great way to stay on top of things. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, the allure for some people, um, you know, if you're an outfitter, they're great because those guys often have to drive many miles and cover thousands of acres. Or if you're a member of a hunting club or you have a lease or a property in another state, it's great to be able to monitor remotely. But really, even for a guy like me where I'm just putting them out on a few properties within a 15, 20-minute drive of home, it's surprising just how much time you can eat up in a day if you just have to go drive over there, park, hike around the property, change, you know, change SD cards. It's really convenient <laughs> to use the cellular. It is. Yeah, it is. For sure. I, I'm still old school, I guess you might say it, where I still find enjoyment in some of that going out and checking. But obviously I see the advantage of the cell cameras. For me, the thing with the cell cameras was twofold was the expense and the using them i'm the first to admit and kyle will tell you i'm a technological moron and so they really i had really had to wait until they really dumbed them down before i dove in to where one that was simple to use set up and the app yeah, there's, to use. there's so many, like you've got some Moultrie cameras here. Uh, the Tacticams are super popular. And both of those, I happen to be personally familiar with having used them. Um, like the way that the apps work now, anybody could set these up right. because you literally open the app and, it, you know, whether it's your first camera, it'll walk you through setting up your account. But once That's you're up and running... They all have these codes on the cameras, you know, and you literally just scan the code with the yep. camera on your phone. It adds the camera to your account automatically. It activates the device automatically. All you have to do is pick your plan. And it, it'll even tell you on the app, like, you know, put in the batteries, you know, scan the code, turn it on now, you yep. know, put in the cart, like everything That's you have to I do. Need. And it shows you right <laughs> on the screen, like what to do and when to do it. That's what I need. <laughs> well, they've got it, man. You ought to give them a try. So you haven't used any so, wireless stuff? Oh, yeah. So I have the Moultrie. This is the Moultrie Edge, which is the latest iteration of their cellular cameras. I have the Delta Bases, which was the previous the predecessor to these function the same bases are a little bit bigger um, but they're really simple i like moultries you know i have um, the micro 42i here just because i have a bunch of non-cellular cellular moultries as well um, and just i mean to be honest when i buy a trail camera i i need them to function 
but I'm going to go for the less expensive. Uh, that's just the way I am. I'm going to do that. I don't need, you know, movie grade videos or pictures. I just need to see what's there. Um, so I tend to go for the less expensive, but yet ones that still function. And for me, I've just found Moultrie has, they're durable. That I know because the ones I have run at my house have been running for years, um, 24-7. And um, they're easy to set up, again, for me. Uh, and they function and they do what I need them to do. Absolutely. Well, the other thing is like these edges, I had one last year. I think they were brand new last year. They were, yes. Those things, talk about simplifying. There's no SD card. There's some internal memory, but it can't really be used as a, well, I I guess maybe it can be used as a regular camera and you'd have to physically plug the camera into your computer to retrieve the images, but it's all designed to run through the network and sort of the whole understanding is like, hey, it's going to take the pictures, it's going to transmit the pictures to your account so you can use your phone, you can log in on your computer and see those images, but like you don't have to worry about anything but sticking batteries in it and turning it on. Yes. And it also will... The new ones now, I think it goes on either network. So it can do Verizon or AT&T. It's all built in. You don't have to pick the carrier. You Again, it's all based through the yep. app. You know, The big turn- pain with them now is that they run best on lithiums. And man, lithium batteries are salty. Holy cow. I don't, yeah, and I don't do it. I just run the cheap alkalines from like do Dollar you? General uh, or Amazon Basics. Some and of them don't, they don't really function as well if they're not on the lithiums. I found the, the same issue. thing. It's interesting that you say that I thought it would be like all of a sudden, you know, they cut out, it says there's 40% juice lift and then all of a sudden yep. it stops working. I've actually found yeah. like I can get several weeks on the edge with alkaline batteries. And uh-huh. then, you know, you got, you got to go back um, or you can break down and get one of those uh, solar panels or you can right. stick a, like a, you know, a big deep cycle battery on the ground and <laughs> just plug battery. in, plug in, you know, put yeah. it in a plastic box and plug it in, you know, uh, it'll yeah, run a long it's... time on that. It's, I forget what the lithiums, I want to say it was in the neighborhood of like 25 bucks to power one camera just in batteries. A lot of these cameras now are taking 12 or even 16 batteries. Yeah, that's, that's great. This one I think takes eight. Now, can you get through a whole season using the lithiums on the cameras? So I did all the ones I had out last year. I got off. I never had to change the batteries. That's what I found. And that was running mid August all the way into February. That's pretty impressive. So you got a whole season off of one set of lithium batteries. That's good. Yeah. I I definitely can't do that, but I'm too cheap to pay for them. So that's my problem. It's the, yeah, it's figuring out where you want to take the pain. (laughs) So. Because there are some out there, some super high-end stuff that really gives you crazy pictures uh, and videos and all that stuff. And, hey, if you're into that, knock yourself out. That's Go for it. Uh, But probably, I don't know about you guys, but I am in Pennsylvania, and you put something out in the woods. I can even put it in my woods. Yeah. 
There's the potential you don't it know. vanishes. You don't yeah. know. Yeah, you don't know if it's going to be there the next time you come in. And yeah. I've definitely had more than a couple of trail cameras grow legs over the years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, while we're on that subject, let's talk about that. I always thought you take that out of the woods. How can you put that out and enjoy taking a picture with that in the future? I'm not wired that way, but I would feel absolutely guilty every time I used that thing. Well, and with a lot of these newer cameras where it's like they have GPS built in and it's attached to somebody's account. If you steal somebody's cell cam, can you even like re-register that or is there a way to track those? I don't think you can. Yeah, I don't know if you can add it. If it's already on somebody's account, yeah. I don't know if you can add it to, I don't know. Anyway, I don't yeah. want to waste a lot of time talking about crooks. <laughs> no. Crime is a fact of life. There's always going to be a bad apple, blah, blah, blah. People are yeah. more interested, PJ, in your tips for using the cellular cameras and how you find them most valuable for your bow hunting. Um, so I would say um, that something I try to do in putting them out what always stumped me i think was okay i'm out here here's the trail i'm just going to put it on the trail well that works in some places if it's thick yeah put it on the trail but if you get into the big tall stuff the one property i hunt most of the timber is tulip poplars so it's telephone poles how do you know which way to to point this thing and it it seemed like um, just getting oriented, which may take some time, putting it out there and, okay, moving it around the tree. You know, I'm pretty sure deer using this area, I'm going to point it there and see if I get good pictures there. But I think a lot of it comes from, I think my trail camera placement gets better after I hunt it. Once I know what the deer do, where they're coming from, then I think my placement gets better on where I want to point it on that kind of thing. And actually I learned years ago through, you know, just doing it is try not to point it in the direction of the sun. Cause then you get 8,000 pictures oh, of yeah. starburst. Yeah. That's usually, <laughs> I learned that important. the hard way. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't have your sunrise or your sunset sunrise and sunset yes you're gonna get a couple (laughs) hours every day where it works in september it's fine and once the leaves drop it's like you could you know in the old days you'd burn up a sd card just of sun flare yeah absolutely or waving blades of grass on motion sensors that are too sensitive or that sort of thing (laughs) yeah i always turn the sensitive down to low well, they've That's got the cameras have gotten a lot better over the years too at not getting a million photos of nothing or waving grass or branches or that sort of thing. Um, but that's interesting what you said about, you know, using your own hunting to fine tune. Um, yeah, I mean, I think about things. There's also a difference between preseason and in season. You know, preseason, again, I come back to minerals. We can't. Uh, well, you can feed deer here. Of course, that's got to be out 30 days before season. Some areas but I don't mess can. around with corn because up in 
the area where I hunt, there's bears and I'd say the squirrels probably squirrels, eat it but I mean the, the bears are a pain in the butt because <laughs> if you put corn out, I mean I I played with it over the years. Once a bear finds it, they'll hang around and you get them. You know, it's cool to get some bear pictures, but you don't get any. Deer, deer pictures while the bear is laying on your corn pile and they'll hang around for days until they eat all the corn the yeah. minerals are way better and and that's a great way to take inventory and get most of the deer there but to your point once the season is open those bucks are not going to just come and mill around that mineral site and right. you've got to get that out of there anyway it's better to move to where you've seen them in years past to, on their normal travel that maybe you can actually get some pictures of them as they're going through. Yeah, uh, just, you know, nothing worse than putting a camera out and getting nothing on it. And so, okay, where am I pretty sure the deer are going to see? And, you know, then maybe your camera tells you that, all right, I see a bunch of them crossing this way in the distance. I need to go over there and put my camera up. Um, so I think I tend to play the game of having quite a few cameras out, which is probably why I go for the less expensive ones. I, I want to kind of cover the area and figure out where I need to be focusing my efforts. Um, it was funny. I was chasing a big buck a couple years ago, um, just this giant that would only ever show up October 30th, and then he would leave after Thanksgiving. I never saw him before. I never saw him after. But in that span there, I'd get a gazillion pictures of him. He was a giant eight-pointer. And um, I learned about him through tra trail cameras. And, I mean, I had him nailed. I knew where that thing was. And yet I only ever saw him from the tree stand, I think, twice. <laughs> Why is that? I, well, it's funny because I, I'll never forget this. There was a rainy day. Uh, that I, a rainy Sunday, I was like, okay, I'm going to go walk through there now. And it was a bunch of non-cellular cameras. I'm going to pull my cards. So I went through, pulled all my cards, no pictures of anything. I did it the next weekend. Every one of my trail cameras, that buck was behind me by an hour. And you could see him milling around, sniffing. Finally, at the last one, I had made a mock scrape, and he hung out there for a long time. But I'm like, just thinking, that why is that deer everywhere I was? You know, an hour later, you know, and he clearly he was smart. The neighbor ended up killing him. He was seven and a half years old, 160 inch eight pointer, just a giant. Um, but where he was, he had to be smart to live that long. Um, you know, just one of those bucks that knows what he's doing out there. I did miss him. I missed him uh, 25 yards. That hurt. You had a chance. I had a chance. Well, I had a second chance where he was at 50 yards Thanksgiving night. It was during the pandemic, so we weren't doing family stuff. But it was like super quiet. He was out in a field, and I just, I just didn't feel comfortable shooting 50 yards at him. Everybody gives me heck for that. but It's interesting. That's one thing that cameras can definitely show you is these seasonal patterns that repeat from year to year, almost to the point that you could grow so confident in it that you could not even put the cameras out. 
You Four could just years. Say, you could just say, I'm not even going to put the cameras yep. out. I just know that at the end of October, he's going to be there. He was there. And it's and amazing. The same, and I put it in the same spot, and he would hit that camera. I mean, I go back. It's like spot on October 30th. He would show up on that camera. Now, another thing that you can do with cameras is you can just kind of monitor stages of the rut or overall deer activity. Like, you know, you have some cameras that you keep out in the woods and, you know, you may not you may not have a particular buck that you're hunting, but you can all of a sudden see you know, when like you're getting those chase photos, yeah. all of a sudden you got does with their tails in the air and they're running through the frame and you're like, okay, this is something a little different than what I was getting comes through. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Um, just even monitoring like daylight activity or seeing, you know, okay, now I'm getting more daylight activity or I'm getting less daylight activity or whatever. And maybe that you can read into, okay, there's hunting pressure in that area and I'm seeing less daylight activity or whatever it is. Um, but interpreting the data, of course, is the trick, right? Because it's fun, it's fun to take a lot of deer photos, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's like, what, do they, what does it mean? And, yeah, and yeah. how does it impact my behavior? Yeah, I, I think uh, one thing I do is that daylight activity. In particular, looking for how long, you know, am I getting pictures of mature bucks at noon? If I'm not, I'm probably not going to be sitting out there all day. Um, but if, or some of those bucks, you know, that I only got pictures of at night, now I'm starting to get them during the day. All right, now I'm going to focus more on hunting that area for, you know, for those deer. Um, so, yeah, that's, I would say that's probably one of the main things I look for is that activity because there are always those deer that we you only get night pictures of and then what happens oh i'm now i'm seeing them in the daylight time to get out there oh that's what bill winky calls the green light green you light. have a target buck moving during the day <laughs> you need to hunt right away right away because the pattern might and probably won't last something i on i shot this uh it was a six pointer several years ago in PA, but it was 22 inches wide and the deer weighed 240 pounds. It was an absolute tank, four and a half years old. I did not know that deer was around, but I got all this daylight activity of bucks in this area. There was, I think four different bucks. And I was like, well, I'm going to go hunt that stand. And then boom, first thing in the morning, I looked down and I'm like, man, that's wide deer and I ended up killing that deer but I was there because I saw all this daylight activity didn't see that buck but I saw this activity and so I went and hunted boom there he was and I ended up getting a picture of him right before I shot him oh that's cool (laughs) he was nice to stand in front of my camera (laughs) now Mr. Demko your situation is a little bit different because one of the places where you like to hunt is right at your house but I think you've got like seven acres. So it's not a big area. And you use a camera or two to monitor your place. And like, I think you killed two deer right in your yard last year, right? Yeah. And why people are listening and think, oh, you shot in your yard. Well, it's not, my yard is four acres. So it's pretty, pretty big yard. And uh, 
Yeah, I have four acres of woods, and uh, I do use the camera to, to monitor the deer. I have a couple spots where I put the camera out. And it's interesting. You listen to me talk. I've, I've learned a couple things in my specific situation. One time, a long time ago, uh, a really good bow hunter told me uh, he kills almost all his bucks between November 4th and 8th. He's very specific on the timing. And I found that most of my activity at my house is between November 4th and the 6th. Daylight buck movement, decent bucks, even doe activity ramps up. My window is very specific at my house. I have a road on one side and open field on the other. So my woods is very tiny. It's very, very challenging hunting situation, but I've really been able to use the cameras to focus in on a specific time frame. And typically it's been those three days. Which is pretty amazing when yeah. you think about it. Like your place, you know, and of course, I mean, you and I know it, so we can picture it in our mind. Everyone else can't do that. But like, I would say honestly, like your place would be like crap most of the year in terms of if you had to kill a deer and your life depended on it, you're just not going to be able to do it. But for a few days every year, it is. And you actually like not one, but two deer that you got killed last year. Yeah. And it's exactly the case, especially like in Pennsylvania, we have a big hunting population firearm season i don't see a deer even picking them up on my trail camera at night i won't see a deer for two weeks on my trail cameras after gun season starts <laughs> you're laughing but you sort of know what that's like I mean, absolutely it, it, it is and but, but that window yes is very specific but it's also very good yeah. yeah yeah for sure yeah we have a it's a different world here but hey we're not the only ones that deal with a lot of hunting pressure not everybody is hunting a privately managed 500 acre farm you know boy i'd like to be <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's not like that. And, and the two main places that I hunt are both parks, you would call them. And so there's public in there uh, and you know, the hunting is limited, but access to the public is not limited. So there's people walking around, walking dogs and stuff. And so actually one of the other things I use trail cameras for is when does that human activity die down then i find my deer activity tends to go up again learning all that through trail cameras just because it shows me that when i'm not there one nice thing about hunting the park probably is when it starts to get colder at the end of october and into november maybe not as many people want to go out there and walk around because it's cold but it's good for hunting it's that's partially true um I would say when uh, COVID hit, from that year especially, it just went nuts. People, more people were in this park that I had not seen before, that level of traffic at all times of the year. And so what I found, what I basically, man, Saturdays, that's just a no-go. It doesn't yeah, matter the temperature. Hunting there. It's just it's just not good. You might be okay. The exception is you get into like you know we can hunt uh, straight into gun season. So when you get up into the teens, uh, getting close around Thanksgiving, you can go out there early morning Saturday. You'll get a good two hours before anybody shows up if it's cold like that. Um, but that's kind of the except mostly Saturdays. Nah, forget it. <laughs> Interested in touching on some of the other technological advances. Cause it's not just cellular. Um, one thing with these Moultrie cameras, again, built into the app and I really had fun playing around with it. Um, 
last year, it'll tell you like your peak times and it charts it out and shows you like a bar graph and you can see like all your cameras aggregated. You can choose just one camera or a select group of cameras and it'll just show you like uh, times a day that you have the most activity. They even have species recognition built into this. So it'll sort you by deer or turkeys, um, like uh, hogs, that kind of thing, if you live in hog country. And then it even has buck and doe recognition. So one nice thing I like, I don't know if you ever played with this with the Moultrie, you can just sort out all your doe images yeah. and like just show me the bucks. And it's amazing Absolutely. how accurate it is. And it'll do that for you. And it'll tell yeah. you like, hey, if you want to see a buck, Again, it'll show you right in a chart. Like if you want to see bucks, you got to be, you know, at this camera at this time, that's your highest odds of having buck action. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Moultrie app. I played with a bunch of different apps and the Moultrie one for me, you know, everybody's different, just seemed the most intuitive to me that, that I was able to get it to work. And like I said, I, I, me and technology do not get along. So if I was able to use it, it's got to be idiot proof. <laughs> Absolutely. Mr. Demko, anything stand out to you on the spy point side or anything else that you've played with in terms of those other features that actually are helpful to you as a bow hunter? Well, the one thing you guys touched on really early is a lot of the cameras nowadays have the dual SIM cards or the dual activation, which it makes it so much easier for connectivity and then transmission of images. Um, one of the neat things that SpyPoint has that a lot of the other ones don't have, uh, you talk about, we, we try to say bunny anyway, we can't, we were talking about the batteries earlier. Their standard plan, you get 100 free images a month, which is a, sort of a nice thing. I don't think most of the other companies offer that. Now, you, depending where your camera is, you can go through 100 images really quickly. Yeah, yeah. But some months, I may not go through 100 images. So, so right. I'll use that, and then I'll ramp it up in the fall where I'll get one of the paid packages. But that's a, a, a great thing. And they have a, a really great app. It makes it easy to sort by species and by buck and doe and things like that. So a lot of your manufacturers are, are offering a lot of those um, uh, types of packages nowadays. But one thing I, I saw this year, and uh, mentioning another company, Bushnell, their camera line, they know their Cellucor line, they now have a camera that's a, a live, it gives you a live stream. I don't know how many other companies are doing that. I oh. thought that was an interesting uh, innovation or add in this year that you can peek in through your camera's eye and you can, you know, check the property or you can see if anything out in the field if you're watching a food no anytime you want. I was pretty intrigued when I heard that. Now that yeah. camera's just coming out now as we're taping here at the end of July. So it's just going to be hitting this month in August. That was an interesting ad. That is interesting. And I, I wonder even like, uh, you know, we were talking before we started the show, PJ, about, you know, what you guys do in terms of your productions at the various uh, ASA tournaments and stuff. Um, you know, we were talking about Starlink and yeah, just yeah. the remote Internet and that you use some of that. And I almost wonder, like, man, where is all this going? And I think it's going to be to the point where because here's where I'm going with this. I don't know if you guys use security cameras at your homes, but I've started to play with like I use these Wise, it's W-Y-Z-E. There's, you know simply safe and blink yeah. and there's a bunch of ones but i've got some of these wise cams and they're wireless and they connect to my you know why my my router yeah, at the yeah. house but i i think we're going to get to the point where people are going to actually have like remote internet 
accounts or whatever, they're going to have like internet service on their hunting property where you're going to be able to put like a box on a tree, right? And think about it. You're going to be able to put a router in there and have like a thing that connects to the satellite or whatever. And you can mesh Wi-Fi and literally have you talk about these live cameras. I think the live is going to become more of a thing because you're going to be able to use like these $40 security cameras that you can get. And you're going to be able to open your phone and see like a live view of six or eight or 10 different locations. Uh, this is going back like 20 years at least. But I went to the ranch owned by the guy who used to own um, HS Sense. Oh, yeah. Yes. David Forget, Forbes. Yes, David Forbes. I did. I hunted there in he Missouri. Had, he had that uh, closed circuit system where he could go in his house and turn on the TV and he could see all his, he had those big feeders out. Okay. And he could watch live streams. And that was 20 years ago. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have enough time and money, you can do anything, right? Exactly. But yeah. I mean, it's becoming more accessible to the common so, man. Yeah, that's what I mean. So if that's what was happening, then you know, somebody's going to make it affordable, available, that kind of thing. Well, and then, then that's where you start to get into the question of ethics. And one thing that you know, Mark and I were talking about, we want to do a whole episode on, I didn't realize, is it Delaware? Delaware just uh, last month banned uh, use of trail cameras on public lands in the state. And the one that surprised uh, us was, you know, you heard about this in the West where yeah. competition is, you're starting to see some of these whitetail states because Kansas is the other big one. You can't yeah, use it on Kansas, public lands. Right. Which I think is crazy. I actually think philosophically, like we can talk about the ethics of trail cameras and I've written about this myself and there, there's a line. I just don't claim to be the arbiter of exactly where it is, but right. you can imagine different scenarios when you have cellular cameras that are giving you the information in near real time or real, literally in real time now you know, how much do you want to take advantage of that? And, and at what point does it become like an unfair advantage? And we can have that conversation. Uh, but when we, when we start talking about like literally saying, Hey, you can't put a trail camera up. Well, are we saying that trail cameras in and of themselves are out and out like wrong? Because if right. we're not saying that, I think like, I don't know if you can tell me that I can't put a trail camera up. You know what I mean? Like yeah. if the guy on, on private property can use them legally, how come I can't just because I'm not rich enough to have my own hunting property? Right. Like, you know, and I almost think like, I think I will be fascinated if somebody files like a lawsuit or a group of hunters actually yeah. challenge this in court or something. I don't know. I, I just want to be the guy who is able when watching one of those live streams says, I need to be out there and I can go out there now because <laughs> I know when I get pictures here at work, what does that do? I'm sitting here at work. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do anything about it anyway. I mean, you think about a hypothetical situation. We all live in Pennsylvania. What, a million and a half acres of public land? Imagine if they banned trail cameras on public oh, land in man. this state, how many hunters that would affect. It's not a million and a half. It's way more than a million and a half. You may be thinking game lands, just game lands. lands yeah, but because yeah. I was up in the PA wilds last weekend 
And there are 2 million acres of public land just in the PA wilds, and that's equivalent to the size of Yellowstone. So that's state forests, state parks, yeah. game lands. There's probably some federal land like Allegheny National it's Forest. 500,000 acres. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's literally millions of acres. If you're going to say no trail camp, could you imagine? No trail. And this is the other thing, and this is where, okay, I don't want to get too political, I mean, I guess it gets to a philosophical, but it's un, what I call unenforceable regulation anyway. Okay, yeah, you want to put true. it in? You want to put in a regulation, and we have so many millions of acres. How are you going to stop people anyway? You can't enforce it. So now you're just punishing people who want to abide. It's by one the thing if it's a cellular, they can probably trace that back. But if I put this thing out, how are you ever going to know that it's mine? There's no well, way. I put my name There's on no all of them. There's no way so. to know. There's <laughs> no way to know. Yeah. And so if you're out there, even if you're checking it, even if somebody, even if somebody catches you checking it, you're just going to be like, well, I just was curious. This is some other hunter's thing. Mine. I just wanted to see what pictures <laughs> were on there, you know? Well, maybe you're guilty then if you do that. But yeah, I don't know. I just think it's, why does government want to regulate such things? I don't know. That's, that. like you said, the, that seems to be unenforceable. And if you're the poor law enforcement guy who's out there trying to catch poachers, and now you have to worry about whose cell camera is that? You know, and it's again, it's different out oh, west in certain yeah. situations where you're in a like a desert area where there's a water hole. That's, yeah, yeah. You know, because they've had situations that there's literally it's like a like, hundred <laughs> trail cameras because it's the only water source for miles. You know, and everybody wants to get pictures of the the, the animals that come there. Yeah. But it's not like that here. And uh, yeah, I don't know no. why you'd want to do that. Um, now back to the cameras themselves. Yes. Wanted to touch on this. This is high level stuff more than I even do. Um, like Clint Casper, okay, our buddy, yeah. frequent contributor who lives in Ohio, he's a big believer in wind directions for bucks. So he patterns these deer and basically he'll have specific bucks that he's going after and he notices that they like to move on certain wind directions like i'll hmm. see him here if the wind isn't out of this direction he's not going to be there tonight because where he's bedding and where he's feeding he's only going to feel confident moving from a to b when the wind is a certain direction so hmm. he's using his trail cameras to pattern deer by cross-referencing images with atmospheric data. Gotcha. So in other words, temperature, wind direction, moon phase, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, you can really dive deep with your camera data if you wanna start cross-referencing and some of these apps, again, will do it for you, or you can sort of do it for yourself, but that's where like it gets you can take yeah. it as deep as you want to get yeah even if you just have you know one of the apps that's like hunt stand that will tell you what the wind direction is even if your camera doesn't tell you that like you said cross-reference okay i know it was a east wind this time of day and i got the picture of this deer well and yeah. it's interesting that you mentioned hunt stand because 
you know, whether it's HuntStand or Onyx and there's others, they're allowing the ability to store images with locations and things like that. And so, you know, some of the trail camera image management is getting integrated in that. Yeah. And again, it's it's just like getting all this data at your fingertips to help you make better decisions about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You look like you're about to say something, Mr. Demka. No, I, I agree with with everything you guys were talking about. Some people really get into the uh, nitty gritty when they're analyzing. I mean, like you mentioned Bill Winky earlier. They're one of the things, and he wrote a piece on this last year. Is he really, not only does he, you know, he'll inventory those deer, he'll put his cameras out, pull his cameras, and he, he really helps, especially, you know, he'll get in as specific as which direction the deer is coming from at what wind thing and things like that. So it's it's really fascinating what, the, what this tool has allowed us to do, especially in the past, say, five years as you have the technological and advancements and things like that. But the nice thing is you can make this as bare bones as you want it to if you just want to get a general idea of what the deer population in your area is. So you can take it as far as you want or you can keep it as minimal as you want. And that's the great thing about these cameras. Cameras and uh, so when we talk about maybe they're not allowed to be used in certain states on public lands and things like that, you get it in some situations, but maybe not in others. So just a great tool that's come along and probably been a game-changing technology when it comes to deer hunting. And so here we have something like this, cellular camera. You put it out there. It tells you wind direction, all that. Transmits the photo to your phone. And this is all coming back from the old days when we put the wire across the thing. And you knew something broke that strand. And we always assumed it was a deer, but it really could have been anything. It was usually Sasquatch. They would always <laughs> mess around with it. But now that we've got the cameras, they don't come around. That's right. They're not around anymore. Um, but just It's amazing what that started out as. Well, and, and you talk about keeping things simpler uh, or thinking back to a simpler time, Bill actually to this day swears that he pulls all his cameras by the end of October. Like when the peak rut is coming in, Bill has had his cameras cleared out at that point. He's run them. He's taken his inventory. He feels like he's got a gen good general idea, but he always says that he doesn't want to know exactly you know what a particular buck is doing at a particular moment yeah he's he's gathered enough information at that point he's just going to hunt and so he's going to hunt those areas where he feels like the buck is going to be he's going to do you know more of just your old-fashioned he scattered his spots he knows his funnels his travel corridors and he's going to do it then you come to a guy like jim bouchard uh who contributed a really interesting article that was in our September issue, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, which is going to be out like in a couple of weeks called Bringing Back the Mystery, I think, or something like that was he talked about how, you know, he's run cameras for years like most of us have. It's a guy from Michigan, just a at, you know, got just a regular deer hunter like us. He's contributed some really interesting pieces for us. Thought that he'd take a year. He thought about like his kids and how, you know, when your kids are little, there's like this magic of Christmas morning, right? The mystery. What did Santa bring me? The excitement. Uh -huh. And then when your kids get to be like, 
by the time they're like 15, 16, you know, it's like, <laughs> ah, you can't even get them out of bed, right? Because they just want to sleep and don't want to get up. And, and, you know, you lost the enchantment of the moment. And he compared that to his bow hunting. And he's like, what if I just took a whole year off and I didn't run any cameras and I just went back to like shed hunting glassing fields in the evenings and scouting and looking at sign, right? Tracks, rubs, droppings, and just picked my stands and hunted based on that. And like, it's a total mystery every day. Yeah. And he wrote, he did it. He did it. And he wrote the article was about his season was brought been two years ago, I guess now. And he ended up shooting a couple nice deer, you know, and, just how it was kind of like recapturing the magic before we had electronic spies in the woods. Yeah. That could, would be cool. Could you do it, Mr. I could. Riley. For sure. Because I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like my hunting is a lot that way anyway. I mean, I have my cameras that tell me that the deer are out there. I don't know if they're going to be there when I go out that day. I, 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 you know, one of the things about hunting publicly accessible, you know, Bill Winkie's different. He knows those deer are out there. Nobody else is out there. I'm out there where I am. There's people, I could have people walking under this tree stand every day, which it has an effect. So I kind of feel like every time I go out, it's, I don't know what's going to happen. What is going to happen? Is this deer going to show up? Who knows? Um, so, yeah, I think I could do that without without cameras. You could do it, Mark. Yeah, we, and we've all, you know, of a similar age, we learned the same way. We didn't have that technology when we went out. And you had to be able to read the sign and figure out how to hunt. And I told you, my, my first hunt was where I got a deer. was the weirdest situation. We made a deer drive. You drove a deer, shot it with a bow and arrow, and ran on the river. We've talked about that a couple of times, but you had to you had to figure out how to get the job done back then. You didn't have all these tools, and yet you still went out. And the bottom line is, you how had did a we hell ever of a kill lot of deer? Fun. <laughs> yeah, how I, did we ever do that? Well, I think that the magic of the cameras, if you will, we talked about the magic of the mystery, the magic of the cameras, and why it's arguably the most um like active segment retail wise among hunters is that their magic is that they figured out this right it's how can we incorporate the cell phone the smartphone more into bow hunting these these little devices have done it because we're all you know like hooked in here and it's just made it's kind of like what we do all day anyway everyone's always on their device and now this is a way that we've linked our device in with our sport that's for sure. And yeah. They, and they sell a lot of them, and it's a good money maker for them. We will sell a ton of them at our bow hunters extravaganza. I can promise you that. Thousands upon thousands, I'm sure, <laughs> maybe not at the extravaganza thousands, but probably on an annual basis for Lancaster archery. Thousands of trail cameras go out the door. Yeah. And, and, you know, to folks who are out there, too, you know, especially in this area, I know when we go to the Harrisburg Sportsman Show every year in February, we always have camera deals. So if you're not 
you're thinking of getting some later, that's another one. I, I tend to look for the deals. That's what I would go for. Uh, who's having the best sale? When can I get the best price? Well, there's a lot of cameras out there, so a lot of good ones too. And so, yeah, certainly getting the deals or comparing the plans. And, you know, some, some companies are better than others. If you're going to be running a lot of cameras, they've got like good package deals. If you have more yeah. than three or four cameras. I like those ones that allow you to, I think Mark, you had mentioned it, that allow you to, okay, I'm only going to run it September, October, November, and then I'm cutting it off, you know, that yeah. you can do month to month. You don't have to do that. Most of them, I think most of them are like that now. Yeah, they used to lock you in longer and have right. activation fees, and I think most of the people have moved away from that. So, I don't know, man. There's, uh, you could spend a lot of time just, just uh, looking at your trail camera photos. That's Did you sure. ever get anything? What's the weirdest cell camera photo you ever, or not cell camera trail camera? Can be of a deer doing something or something you just weren't expecting. Well, I have one because it just happened this past year. I got a, the alert went off and I opened up and there's two pigs on my camera. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we have no wild hogs. Where'd they come from? Here are the neighbors. Pigs got out of their pen. They came up and they spent a day at our house and then I guess they corralled them again. But that that's by far the strangest. I mean, I've gotten black bear. We don't live in black bear area, but I've had bears come on the camera and stuff. Yeah. But those pigs were by far the weirdest things where I was scratching my head and I'm like, where'd these come from? I've never had anything really crazy that can compete with the stuff people post online. Like <laughs> yeah. there's some hilarious yeah. stuff online, like the meth yes. heads and <laughs> yeah. just like the really scary looking people walking around half naked in front of their cameras and whatnot. Yeah. It's, I don't know where some of these people live that this activity is happening, but there is definitely some weird stuff going on in the woods out there. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> I'll tell you. Well, guys, I mean, I don't know how long we've been going, but. I'm thinking it's probably about time to wrap her up for this week. PJ, um, wish you guys the best. Do they make you work the extravaganza? Absolutely. I'll yeah. be there. Got to be Start there. Start to finish. You bet. Selling stuff or making videos about selling stuff? Both. Yeah. All of the above. Whatever they need me to do. All right. Well, enjoy the extravaganza. And by the time you get through that... I guess you'll be about a month out from opening day here in your neck of the woods. That is correct. Yep. I'll be Good. ready. Well, listen, I guess we'll have to get down here again, probably right around the time the season is getting underway. So I, we can look forward to our next visit, talking some early season bow hunting or something along those lines. Yeah. Yep. That'll be fun. Perfect. Why don't you close us out, Mr. Demka? Well, thank you so much. And for everybody who's listening on the Bow Hunting Podcast presented by Lancaster Archery, get those trail cameras ready, start getting some inventory. The bucks may not be here that you're seeing now. They may not be here in the fall, but still, it's great. It's a great way to get the adrenaline going to get excited for the upcoming season. We'll see you next time on the Bow Hunting Podcast. Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.